Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you inky savages are joining me for this week's episode of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. We're at episode number 99. This is really exciting for me. So, right now I'm recording this sponsorship on December 6th, whereas the actual episode was about a week ago. It's December 6th by virtue of it being 3.22 in the morning. I'm having trouble sleeping because at 3 p.m. on December 6th, the same day, I'm having shoulder surgery on my left shoulder. And then our intention is to record a podcast for the following week, the week of the 14th, I believe. And it'll be on the same day that I come home from my shoulder surgery. I can't fall asleep because I'm a little nervous. I'm always nervous about surgeries whenever I have surgeries. I know everything's going to be fine, but, you know, people get nervous. It is what it is. It's a human condition. But anyway, I do want to talk about some sponsorship stuff. So some cool sponsorship stuff that I want to talk about today. One in particular is the Colorverse USA Special Series Inks. Okay, so 10 new states have arrived with Colorverse USA Special Ink Series. These cute single 15 milliliter bottles are perfect for stocking stuffers for that pen lover in your life. I think it is a fantastic stocking stuffer. Stocking stuffer. Now, let me just go over the colors with you. They are Fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, Dakota Thunder, North Dakota. Quahog Row Island, I think of that character from Family Guy for some reason. Blue Crab, Maryland, South Beach, Florida, December 7, 1787, Delaware, Long Trail, Vermont, Liberty Bell, Pennsylvania, Space Needle, Washington, Country Roads, West Virginia. So that's the Luxury Brands of America sponsorship read for this week. So check out those inks wherever it is that you purchase your inks and pens and fountain pen stuff. And let me make a suggestion as to where you can make those purchases at my next sponsor, goldspot.com. Please check out goldspot.com for all your pen-related needs and make sure you use coupon code ROY at checkout to score yourself extra savings on products throughout the Goldspot Pens website. Just be advised, some exclusions do apply, so if it doesn't work for some products, it will certainly work for others, and it'll save you some money, which is always fantastic. Now, before I get on with this week's episode of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast, I want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from Tom and I, mostly from me. So be forewarned, you have been warned. Now, on to the podcast. The Penboy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage Savage. And Inky. That was some terrific technical difficulties that we had to go through. That was just the worst technical difficulties I think we've experienced on the podcast ever in the history of anything ever. Uh, we we did not have a good go of it to start off with. There was like FaceTime issues. Oh. We had audio recording issues. I wouldn't be surprised if like a cat just jumps in right now and just steals no, Doctor Evil right out of his tank. And that's a terrible you know, thought. Decides... <laughs> I'm so attached to my fish tank. Do you see him back there? I don't know if uh, you saw, but 
I added a small, oh, quick product review time like I did last week. <laughs> Do you remember I was talking about the Tetra Whisper 10 air pump? That didn't, and it was that just didn't whisper. It was yeah, just very loud. Yeah. It was just the loudest fucking thing that I've ever bought in the history of anything that I ever bought that was loud, right? That would be called whisper. So I got a new pump hit up there, you know, hooked up to that, and you can't hear it. And the reason why you can't hear it is because it's so quiet. And it's the Hyger H-Y-G-G-E-R, like mini pump. It's really cute. Mm -hmm. It looks like a small wheel of cheese. That's how tiny it is. And it's like 15 bucks. So it's three times what the full-size whisper pump cost, but this one is super quiet. It's like unaudible. And then I have a small super mini Hyger sponge filter attached to it to help aerate. So Dr. Evil's living his best life. As far as I'm concerned, he's my fish and he's going to live the best life he's going to live. So we have a Aquion Quiet Flow 10 that filters up to 10 gallons or 20 gallons on one side. And then we have the Hyger super mini sponge filter on the other side. I really just put that super mini sponge filter there just to cultivate more beneficial bacteria because the Aquion Quiet Flow has cartridges and every couple of months you throw it out. But when you throw out that cartridge, you're losing a lot of beneficial bacteria that's responsible for breaking ammonias into nitrites and other bacteria that breaks nitrites into nitrates. And then when you're left with just nitrates, that's when the plants come in. The plants come in and they eat up all the nitrates and keep it at a healthy level, but you also help manage that by doing weekly water changes, which is what I do. So there's that. You, I got an email from you. Oh, before we go into that pen talk, look at what I got. <laughs> oh, I saw that on Instagram, the Game & Watch. Yeah. yeah, the Game & Watch, Legend of Zelda. Like, I wasn't so compelled to get the Super Mario Brothers one, though I do love Super Mario Brothers because I feel like Super Mario Brothers is so, like everywhere right it if you have the nintendo i mean i'm sure the legend of zelda is also but i feel like the legend of zelda is more less standard does that make any sense what am i saying more less standard meaning Uh, i would say i would say that mario brothers is like the flag bearer for nintendo is it's just like it's iconically symbolized in everything that nintendo does i mean like you have mario party super smash brothers you have um, you know, all of the various Mario games and Luigi's Mansion. You got so many different types of Mario spinoffs, but really there's truly just like that. There's the Zelda and it's like an adventure game. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like a number two, I guess, to Mario, but like, you know, still is appreciated on a, on a very high level as well. I was willing to let it go when you say lever as lever, but why are you saying Mario? It's Mario. We got no say Super what, Mario Brothers. Mario, that's Mario. No, say Mario. Super Mario. Mario. No, even Mario says Mario. Mario doesn't say it's a me. It's a, a Mario. Me. No, he says it's, it's a, a me. me. Mario. Yeah, see Mario, not Mario. <laughs> so anyway, I got it. It looks really cool. But what's really cool about it is when I turn it on, do you see the Triforce? The Triforce lights up on the back. I don't know. I think that's really cool. And on the front, it's a clock, and then it's playable, and it has, like, Game & Watch, a Game & Watch game on it. I think it's really great. I love it a lot. So all it has is just the Zelda game on it. It has the first Zelda game, and then it has 
The Legend of Zelda Part Two: Link's Adventure, which was like a side-scroller. It was really weird. It wasn't like the regular Zeldas. So that mm-hmm. game was very divisive because some people loved it and then some people hated it. And right. it didn't really feel like a Zelda. It was more like a side-scrolling action game with a mix of open-world Final Fantasy map thrown in or something like that. Mm-hmm. But hey, listen, it's a collectible item. If I don't like it, I won't play it. Probably am not going to play yeah. it. Anyway, I'm probably going to just like doodle around with it and then have it because it's one of those things that I get because I just want to have it, not because I'm like, oh, yeah, I never played that game. I want to play it. No, that's not. Yeah, it's like it's like really a yeah, it it's definitely it's a collectible sort of novelty item. And and would, would, do you think that you'll be able to play with it like with your arm in the cast? No, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. After, yeah. So for everybody listening, today is November 29th. It's the first episode that we're recording after Thanksgiving, but you're going to be hearing it two weeks after Thanksgiving. And actually, by the time you hear this, I'm pretty sure I would have already had my surgery. This would be this episode would be uploaded on Tuesday, December 7th, I believe, right? Uh, and it, well, we're already, we're doing a week in advance, so this would this would be. Yeah, this would be the seventh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's that. This episode is actually going to be uploaded on Tuesday the seventh by Tom. By the way, Tom, I'm going to need you to upload this because it's going to be the day after my surgery. You oh, are going to be hi. <laughs> well, you know what? Fuck it. You want to do an episode when I am fucking blasted off my mind with oxycodone? If 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 you are if you are willing to do it, I will oblige. If it'll make yeah, you that, feel good about it, I'm not going to be Monday. like, "Oh, well, you said you would," and you're going to be like, "Ah, oh, I'm <laughs> No, I want you to hold me to it because it's going to be fun. Because I'll be all woozy and stupid and shit like that. I think people should be able to hear me in that. So I'm having the surgery on the sixth. So we'll record an episode on the sixth. How's that? Mm-hmm. The day I get back from the surgery. Now, it's funny, too, because so this – in my left arm, I actually have a torn rotator cuff. I have a bicep tenodesis and a torn labrum, whereas on my right shoulder, all I had was just like a 75 80% tear and a disconnected bicep and bone fragment in the glenoid capsule. So my right shoulder was much worse than my left shoulder, but my left shoulder hurts a lot more. But anyway, my point is this. Every tough guy I know who had the same surgery as me, they they tell me, when you get home, you're going to have the nerve block. So your whole arm is going to be numb. Fuck that shit. Take the pain meds as the doctor prescribes it. Because what some of my buddies did was they're like, oh, I, my arm is numb. Why should I take any pain meds? So apparently the doctors say, oh, you got to get ahead of the pain. And you got to get like the opioid receptors loaded up with pain medication so that when the nerve block wears off and the pain onset comes in, it won't be as extreme. And my friends are explaining to me, it's like, don't try to tough it out. Don't be a tough guy. Just take the pills. You're not going to get addicted. You're not going to get dependent because you know how I am with like health and stuff. I don't like to mess around with stuff like that. Yeah. But they said that when the pain came on and they weren't ahead of the pain with the pain medication, it was the worst thing that ever happened to them. And nothing was able to help it because no, it was already at, too far gone. Yeah, at that point, you could take the pain medication, but it's you're not ahead of it. It's You're too much catching up. It, yeah. was, it was a bad situation. So they're all telling me, and these are some of the toughest guys I've ever known. They're like, just take it. Just take it. So yeah. last year when I had my right shoulder surgery – I just took it. I, I'm not really crazy about those pills and stuff like that. And I don't like how they make you feel like overly euphoric because you'll sit there and 
all of a sudden you're just feeling super euphoric and there's no reason for it and it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Like I should not feel this happy for no reason whatsoever and it's like this isn't natural. A person should not be this happy unless they just had a baby or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Or somehow snapped their fingers and made puppies appear. That That's really the only instance where you can feel as happy naturally and I don't even think like chemically – how happy it makes you doesn't feel right. It just doesn't, I don't like it, but I'll do it for the first couple of days just because I don't want to be in excruciating pain and I'll do it for the sake of everybody's entertainment in terms of the podcast. <laughs> so, so I'll make sure I take it with food and then, and then we'll record. But you were talking to me about Something about a pen of the year. You weren't talking to me. You emailed me about something like that. You were talking about like pen uh, of yeah, the I year. Forwarded, and I glanced at the email. I just was. Yeah. I, I forwarded a, uh, a retailer's mm-hmm. email where they declared the Parker 51, the new modern version of the Parker 51 as the pen of the year. Um, you know, and, and I sent it to you and I was like, uh, I don't, I don't really feel that this is congruent with what, most people may feel yeah so then i Mm. thought to myself i was like oh well this would be an interesting topic to discuss on the podcast because we could look at all of the releases during the last year and say well what truly was let's say the pen of the year you know and discuss maybe some potential let me let me find this let me find this email the email you sent me i found it coloradopen.com is declaring fucking Parker 51's collection the pen of the year. All right, no disrespect to Colorado pen, but what were your standards there, guy? Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, everybody might have different standards. They might their standard just be might be like, you know, what sold the most. You know what I mean? Right. So like if right. maybe everybody in Colorado bought it. So they're basing or that's it just on, happened to be there. You know, I mean, they don't really sell a lot of different brands. Sales. Like, I don't. I don't know. I, I definitely, definitely not the pen of the year. Yeah, I, I know that they don't. They don't have a lot of other brands that, let's say, uh, Goldspot or Goulet carries or Jet Pens carries. So um, they may be rather limited in their scope, and that's the reason why they would give the uh, the pen of the year nod to them. But I, I would want to take like a more broader approach and just say like all of the pens that were introduced this year in general and, you know, discuss uh, some potential options, some candidates for that, and maybe let people weigh in with their thoughts as well. Send emails and stuff. I mean, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I think there's a lag between you and I. Is there? Because I I do kind of feel like you're, you're, you seem to be like a little half, like a half second behind. Okay. Okay. I think that's the case. I think there's a little bit of a lag. We're going to have to just deal with it because we want to FaceTime instead of fucking not FaceTime. <laughs> it's, instead of instead of doing it the old-fashioned way with telephones and stuff. Right. It's just so much more fun to be able to see you talk while you're talking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Right, so and I think so we, I could admire I, your gorgeous-looking hair that you've got going on there. Right. Hey, listen. When you had hair, I'm sure it looked good too. And you kind of still it was, have hair. It, no, it, like when I was younger, when I was like in my late teens and early 20s, I, I had some really nice thick hair and I had actually long hair when I was in high school 
I actually dyed it blue at one time too. I had like a lot of it going on and it was like some really nice thick hair. And I remember my dad always saying to me, it's like, oh, enjoy it while you have it. Cause you know, this is what's going to happen to you. And I'm like, now I'm there. It's, it's terrible. Well, you know why you're balding, right? <laughs> I know it's something to do with like, I have like extra awesome hormones that will help me get totally jacked if I lift weights, that sort of thing. Well, the thing that causes balding in men is an excess of what's called dihydrotestosterone, and it's a super androgenetic testosterone, meaning like, unfortunately, I don't think it's bioavailable for you to use so that you get all jacked up and stuff, but it is the most androgenetic testosterone, and androgenetic testosterone is what's needed to build muscle tissue. So technically, you should you should be looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger now. What's the matter with you? <laughs> That was my best impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right, nice. so anyway, let's let's talk about what you think qualifies as pens of the year. Well, let's let's start broad. Brand of the year. Okay. All oh, right, brand so what would of you the year. Say, okay. Yeah. So let's get this out of the way, all right? I'm not going to I'm not going to be biased here, but I'm going to give the award for retailer of the year to my sponsor, Gold Spot Pens. <laughs> and I'm going to give distributor of the year to my sponsor, Luxury uh, Brands of America. And this is in no way biased at all. Hey, <laughs> round of applause. That's, that has nothing to do with the sponsorship. Nothing yeah. to do. Nothing to do with it at all. Nothing. Right. Without any <laughs> bias whatsoever. So like I said – Without being biased and having nothing to do with the fact that Goldspot sponsors the podcast, I'm going to go ahead and say Goldspot is the sponsor of the year, particularly since they're going to sponsor next year. And their distributor of the year is going to be Luxury Brands of America. Congratulations, Goldspot Pens and Luxury Brands of America. It has nothing to do with the fact that you guys sponsor the show, but you are now entitled being winners of the Pen Boy Boy Pen Entertainment Podcast. Huzzah. Retailer and distributor of the year, you are now entitled to send me a pen valued between two hundred and five hundred dollars. Congratulations! <laughs> well, since it's pen of the year, we should really be upping that to like five hundred to a thousand, though. Okay, fine, fine. Your bosses are now <laughs> required to send me on, a pen on the hook. Right? Yeah, I listen. You're you're the guy in charge, so if that's what you want to do, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. <laughs> All yeah, right, no, so we're so, we're talking we're talking about brand of the year, and this is this is really it's a tough one to to kind of start out that broad. I'm just trying to think of like various pens because we're coming into this. I did not decide to do like a survey sort of research and and kind of make a an ad hoc list of different items that are on there. But uh, I'm just kind of like looking through some of the brand listed and and kind of you know scratching my head over what what I think would probably be a strong brand. Um, anything that jumps out to you to start with? Well, I mean, if you're talking about pen of the year, I mean, brand of the year, excuse me, because I know we're talking about brands. To me, for me at least, me personally, Waldman really jumps out at me because uh -huh. Waldman has made a very significant impression on me. As a matter of fact, Waldman being as cool as they are is part of the reason why I gave luxury brands the distinguished honor of being able to pay me and sponsor the podcast, right? So like one of my favorites is going to be the Waldman, the Waldman Tuscany, the, mm -hmm. the cocoa colored the, one. The commander. 
the cocoa colored one, the Tuscany. You're talking about the right. commander. Um, yeah. Ta- yeah. Commander is also, but it's, you know, it's, I don't think the commander to me is the pen of the year because I found that as much as I love the commander, I'm always going back to the Tus- Tuscany. Mm-hmm. But then again, that's a lie because <sighs> the tango really stole my heart. It takes, it takes two to tango. And I'm trying to work that into <laughs> the sentence. It does. I can't. It but, takes two to tango. Right. But the tango being all sterling silver is a beast of a pen. I really love the tango. It came out later in 2021. I really love that tango. But at the same time, there's another brand I want to talk about. They just so happen to be luxury brand brands. And mm-hmm. this one is Joya. It's an Italian brand made in Italy. And... You know, I have them here, and I really enjoy them. They're old-fashioned, vintage look. They got flat tops and stuff like that. But I have in front of me the Fiamma, which means flame. Can you see? Yeah. It's the nice bright orangey red. It's yeah. got some black swirls and stuff. Yeah, and this one is called the Partenope. Now, not only is the Partenope really cool, but it's – a honking pen it's it's big it's thick it's a lot of acrylic it's nice acrylic it's cartridge converted but it can also be converted into a ballpoint i can't imagine why somebody would want to do that but whatever you know i guess mm-hmm. you can if you wanted to and there's the other model what's the other model called it starts with an a alaria 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 now i like the part to note pay better in particular the fiamma But the Alaria deserves its due credit because it is an Italian-made piston-filled acrylic pen made with Italian acrylic, not European-grade, which means made in China and then just meets standards of European acrylic, but it means made in Europe. So there is a difference in terms of color and look between European acrylics and stock acrylics. And usually pens that are made with European, actual European acrylic, you find them at higher price points, in particular if they have piston filters. So with the Alaria, you have the number six size Yovo nib, you have a piston filler with Italian acrylic, and it runs $200. So I think after retail discounts, it's $179. So to me, that's... That, to me, is the position of Joya saying, hey, we want to bust into the American market, so we will take less of a cut just to get our name out there. And Joya has been doing very well at shows, as per Bryce. It's been doing really well at shows. It's been doing very well everywhere it goes. It sells out. The Alaria, I feel like, is more bang for your buck than the Partenope. Because in truth, I think the piston filler with the Italian acrylic and the number six size Yovo nib is worth more than being able to convert a pen from a fountain pen to a ballpoint pen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Because usually you would have somebody who just wants a fountain pen will just want the fountain pen. They're just going to see the ballpoint or the rollerball nib and just be like, that doesn't do anything for me. Right, 100%. So... I want to say that to me, I, I guess brand of the year would be a toss-up between Waldman and Joya. And the reason why they're here, like I said, is not because luxury brand sponsors, but because they're new brands to me. 
And if I'm going to say a brand is a brand of the year, it's going to be a newer brand that I've never had been exposed to before. It's not going to be a pilot because they've been around. There's nothing new about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. These are somewhat new and exciting to me. So that's those are my candidates. So what about you? Well, thank you for taking the reins on that to start off with, because then it gave me some time to let my brain start to percolate some ideas here. Oh, uh, wait, first I, thing I, that... hold on. May I? Because I know what you're going to say. Brand of the year, Leonardo, Vecina, Italiano. No, well, it wasn't, that wasn't the first one that came to mind. Actually, the first one that came to mind was, was I have the pen here. This, uh, this is the Narwhal Nautilus in the primary macchiato. I would say... Uh, Narwhal really has, I think, has turned a lot of heads this year with not only you have the the, the Peter Draws pens that were introduced, but you also have the uh, the, the glittery uh, Key West pens or the cartridge converter pens. And then you have the, the Nautilus, which is kind of like an oversized version of their original uh, pen, which they introduced in the Ebonite models and then had the portholes on it. But the, the primary macchiato and the other Jonathan Brooks pens have a ink window like just a regular standard ink window that's in there and i mean for for what this is worth like for 195 and then plus it's got the in-house narwhal nib i mean i i just i just think i'm really impressed with like how it's gone from you know that they had the original lineup of the swirly acrylic pens and those were you know 55 dollars, and then they've they've increased it to you know, they've, they've gone from just offering just one fine nib, which wrote more like a medium, to now having a range of fine, medium, broad, double broad, and then with the, the primary macchiato having it with the 1.1 millimeter stub and the architect nib, um, all of which are, are made and ground by Narwhal directly. Um, so it, it's, it does offer, I feel like it offers like some really unique stuff, but like, but like also the writing experience is unique. So it's not just slapping a Yovo nib on you know, uh, a Brooks acrylic pen, which a lot of other people can do. Sure. No problem. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what really stepped stuck out at me at first. Um, then I also looked at Scribo because I kind of feel like Scribo is, is continuing to grow around again. My, one of my big things is like that unique writing experience and Scribo's nibs uh, provide that old school Omas influence that you have the 18K nibs, the 14K flexible nibs. Uh, then they even introduced this year, they had the triple broad and the extra, extra fine. Uh, then you have uh, the Puma, which is a lower cost uh, pen than the feel. And it comes with a cartridge converter, which is a, you know, a, a very adaptable and convenient feature. Uh, then another one that jumped besides Leonardo, because I, I will le mention Leonardo in this list, uh, but another one that also uh, jumped out to me was Twisby. They're always kind of in the background, I think, always making noise with their special editions, especially the Iris, the VAC 700R Iris. Uh, the Prussian Blue was fantastic. Uh, then also, they, I think the Navy, uh, that one was was pretty good, too. Um, but the, the Draco, the acrylic Draco pen, um, that was a fantastic uh, pen. And uh, and then also the Swipe, the, the Swipe being that cartridge converter pen it seems to be like a theme like a lot of manufacturers trying to go with that convenient cartridge converter method to to access a larger base of 
enthusiasts that might be getting into using fountain pens but may not want to fill using bottled ink. Mm -hmm. um, but then I, I also want to give props to Retro 51 for actually staying in business. I think that is kind of underrated. They're not doing anything spectacular this year like they did last year, but the fact that they were able to change hands and transition to a new ownership but yet still maintain the same level of quality and interactivity with the uh, the, the same group of people that have brought them to the heights that they are. I, I think that they should be commended for the amount of work that they've put into continuing the brand and then building it back up to uh, the, the level that people were enjoying it at. Um, but then also have to mention Leonardo because I just – have to mention Leonardo. I just I, I, I just love I'm a Leonardo. big lover of Leonardo because really? they switched to Yovo nibs this year, <laughs> and Hallelujah! That my uh, my prayers have been answered, being that I would deal with so many of these uh, issues personally with anybody that sends back a Bach nib that needs to be slightly adjusted, tuned. Whoa! Anything? Wait a minute. What? First of all, I do remember this conversation happening maybe a year and a half, two years ago, where you were like, well, I don't want them to switch to Yovo Nib because I like the fact that they use Bach well, Nibs. Right. That's that's my personal thing because I liked how they I liked how they wrote. I have the one my my one of my Leonardo's I have is the one point three millimeter stub that's that's a Bach and I love it. It's super smooth and just it's so juicy. I don't. I didn't like them for the fact that I would get so many of them back that just needed that little bit of extra tuning to it. Because if 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 I got every if I was my only customer for Leonardo pens, I would be fine because I would know exactly how to rectify all those little slight issues with Bach nibs. Sure. However, I am not that for every customer. Like a lot of customers will get it and then just be like. This is not writing right. The tines are misaligned. You've got baby's bottom, baby's bomb, baby's bomb, baby's bomb. And, you know, it's not right to expect that of everybody to know how to fix it. Sure. So, you know, sure. like, so then a lot of the pens would just come back and the Yovo switch over made a huge world of difference. Hardly ever get any pens back uh, with exception for the, the Pura. Uh, which had an issue with the piston mechanism and those have been dealt with like uh, Salvatore has been sending uh, the replacement piston, like at least the barrel sections. What happened they, with that? This, it'd be like some sort of like slight little leak in internally would happen. So like you would fill the pen up and then the reservoir would fill up, but then like it would somehow like the ink would seep into the rest of the pen like including oh, the piston mechanism. Yeah. So something something was not done to specifications, like something tolerance-wise inside the barrel was just not working out right. Um but the, but he's been, you know, he he that's something that I felt like you could just say, okay, well that's a one-off sort of thing, probably a bad batch of pens whatever. But the whole Bach thing is just like it's just like, well, you could either keep using Bach over and over again and just have these issues coming back and forth with the nibs or you could just say screw it, I'm switching to Yovo, and that's going to give me a more consistent, you know, quality control experience right out of the box. How many, how many pens are we talking about that had this piston issue with the Leonardo? Um, just the, the, just the Pura, the Momento Zero Grande Pura, particularly in the blue one. I just happened to notice a, a few of them in the blue one that had this issue, and, and probably like less than five, six pens total out of all the pens that I've seen go out. Oh, I see. So it's really it's really not a lot, but it's just but for the fact that there are 
there are a few of them that's unusual so that's i'm just saying like it's not it's not like oh my god like out of 100 pens like 80 of them had this problem now it's like it's just a few but it's just enough to raise eyebrows you know remind me to come back to the whole bach thing i have to question to ask you i have a question to ask you about the whole bach thing but i want to change what my pen of the year is okay because like we're kind of brainstorming we're we're just we're not, we're not we're yeah, not I'm not I'm not like dedicating like saying like okay this is the one but like I'm just coming up with some ideas and talking about it. I am going to say which is the one. Okay. My Ryan Crusack Legend 16 pen is the pen of the year for 2021. That is my pen of the year. That bad boy of a pen. So going back to the whole Bach thing, everybody's switching to Yovo nibs. What do you think's going to happen to Bach? the company making Bach nibs. I, I think they'll still be around because I think there's going to be enough pen manufacturers that will still use them because Bach's good for smaller production runs. And the fact that so many people use Yovo, all it takes is for Yovo to have a supply issue of some sort, or like the issue that we saw earlier this year with um, cracked housings with some of the independent pen makers that would get the blank Yovo nibs. So, uh, like there was a batch of them that had that had really there, there's some issues with the housing that all of a sudden they would just get like a split crack in the housing and then the pen would start leaking of course so it's like you know that there was a batch of those kind of going around but that's what happens when you ha when you put all of your eggs into the ovo basket if you know that 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 may end up being an issue for manufacturers and different pen makers like sure. they, they all get them from the same place so I what happens when quality control becomes an issue i don't know if that's but, a, a an issue that is exclusive to yovo because i've seen that happen with a lot of durographs where the housing would crack because mm -hmm. the housing for the durographs were housing these nibs before they were yovo nibs these nibs made by conklin and they were just wider so they would cause the housing to split or the rim would crack a lot i've been noticing that a lot these days and might be my fault i might be leaving ink into the in the pen for too long and then I guess, who knows, maybe I inked it up with something noodlers, so it's like eating away at the plastic. <laughs> I don't know. But I do notice that that does happen with the cheapy plastic feed housings that the the cheapy plastic feed and housings that Yafa Brands uses in their pens. But I notice uh -huh. it less ever since they started using no Yovo nibs because Yovo nibs, they're more narrow at the stem. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, no, I'm just, I, I have a feeling that if I were... If I were the owner of Bach and I'm seeing this trend with everybody moving towards Yovo Nib, I'd start sweating in my pants a little bit. I'd be concerned. I, well, I, I, I think that they could capture more of the market if they just started to build a reputation for better quality control across the board. Well, I mean, obviously, but what is it that – why weren't they doing it before? Like why wait until you're under the gun to do something like that? Because sometimes for for some people, good enough is good enough, and that's it. Like mm. they they have they have their because they still get orders. I mean, you still see um, what like it's probably even though Visconti says they make like in house nibs, they probably get most of it from Bach. Scribo, for example, Scribo still I I believe that their machinery that they have they bought the machinery that makes and the molds and the dyes and stuff to make the nibs exactly like Omas made them, but. I think that they're still manufactured in the Bach 
manuf- in in their in their manufacturing okay and they just get the nibs that way uh like paniter uses bach and there's there's still quite a few people that would use bach um and, and i know that they that they usually would be accommodating of smaller uh size runs versus yovo which would require usually you have to buy like at least like hundreds of every nib size yeah um in order to be considered uh to to purchase you know bulk quantity of various nibs um but you know it's it it comes it comes at a point where it's like well when you're manufacturing and you're 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 competing with another company for market share you have to say well what what could i do better to then make it so that i could either capture more market share or like become you know like that that close number two and i definitely think for Bach it just has to come to just making these nibs so that they write suitably like right out of the box that they don't have to people don't have to like readjust the tines they don't have to worry about baby's bottom Mm -hmm. you know that they work just fine right out of the box because they are really good nibs when you get a good box when you get a good one Right. When you get a good Bach nib or you could like adjust one that just wasn't like 100% right, it just it's it's phenomenal. It's really nice. I like it because it, it gives you a little bit of that bounciness. I feel like it's generally smoother. Um, it's a little bit wetter than a Yovo nib. Um, so I, I like I like them, but it's just that they have issues. I believe that the wetness has more to do with the feed than it has to do with the nib. Yeah, but still, it's a it's a Bach feed versus a Yovo feed. So that's, that's still. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but all right. Yeah. So we going back when we were talking about brand of the year. You mentioned, you mentioned a few. You you started with Narwhal, then you moved on to, what was it? Scribo. Scribo. Then Twisby. Then Retro Fifty One. Then Leonardo. Of course, no surprise there. <laughs> but and for Narwhal, you're talking about great design and you know, coming onto the scene and bringing something new to the table, which he does. That's great with. The Puma, you were talking about like the whole flex nib and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and then being able to bring a, a lesser because the feel is like seven hundred bucks, right? So then the Puma, you know, they, it knocks down the price of I think around the five hundreds. Okay. So at least at least it makes this writing experience a little bit more affordable, plus a little bit more accessible to those that want cartridges converters. That's okay. So, so Narwhal possible brand of the year because of innovation in terms of design and bringing to the table something somewhat new puma because they went from 700 to 500 okay (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know scribo right oh and then you talked about retro for staying in business yeah and then you talked about twisby for bringing out the draco and then the rainbow colored pen and stuff like that and then the and then the swipe and the, then the swipe yeah right so like brand of the year i don't know based on the reasoning behind what you're saying i feel like i don't know the best one out of all those candidates would be narwhal because for me you don't get credit for doing something that qualifies as pen of the year, brand of the year by making a pen that's $700 and making your next pen $500. Both are expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And then, what was it, Retro 51? I love Retro 51, don't get me wrong, but you don't get brand of the year just for showing up to work, okay? <laughs> and 
what was that? Twisby. The the swipe wasn't that like a spring loaded piston mechanism type thing, or was that a cartridge converter? Well, they had two different types of converters. One was a traditional like screw type converter, mm-hmm. and then the other one was kind of like the the go mm, with where, the spring. Mm-hmm. That's an idea I came up with two years before. Right with the Menlo. That? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's that the Twisby. I don't know. I, I guess I would give it from your choices. I would and Leonardo. Yes, I love Leonardo. Okay, but what has he brought to the table that's new or what's different? What is it? Well, the other thing besides because I did touch on the Yovo, but like the other thing too was the Momento Magico, which was a piston filler acry- Italian acrylic pen with the Yovo nib. That the that that price of two twenty five for it. It's very very appealing. Just okay. similarly to how you mentioned with the Joya, sure, Alaria. Uh, that's that's also very appealing. Like a, a, a nice step in that direction. Uh, I mean, before the before like this year, if you were to tell me, Tom, let's let's go shop for an Italian acrylic pen with a good nib and a piston fill mechanism i would have been like oh crap you're talking like five monte grappa you're talking about 500 sure we're going we're dropping 500 on a on a fountain pen man it's like but now with with uh with joya and and uh you know you also have um mayora which is now actually going to be delta again oh really about that no holy shit so they so uh, apparently I think Nino had had gotten the rights now to purchase everything like the the stock any anything that was Delta is now going to be like uh, is going to be restarted as Delta again. There's there's a press release. Whoa, that's big news. I mean, considering ah, uh, listen, I know the tumultuous history behind delta and what ended up happening with delta and why they went out of business do you think what he did was a good idea considering what happened in the past well first fill everybody in and what happened in the past oh i don't i don't really know all the particular details about that okay so you could you could tell me more about that story so i will fill everybody in with the delta details now the last time i discuss this with anybody involving Delta, realize discussing this can be a topic of contention for the people I discussed it with. So I kind of had to Are you going to be, be very racist about it? Well, no, no. <laughs> I think I think everybody's done Is calling... it that type of contention? No, no. So basically there were three owners, right? I think Nino was one of them or Salvatore's father was one of them. And yeah, then, Chiro. And then there was another guy. So they were making pens. They were making decent pens. And since there were too many cooks in the kitchen, right, I think accounting wasn't being done as diligently as it should be or finances weren't being used as diligently as they should be. And they ended up digging themselves a hole. And I'm not going to point to any one of the three because I'm not sure which one it was. But the, and I'm sure you'll ask one and then the other will point the finger in the other direction. There's that. that. Sort of thing, yeah. So it's – listen – Everybody's adults. If mm-hmm. all three of you... Everybody's also children, too, at the same time. <laughs> if all three of you are collectively running this company and the company goes under, it's all three of your fault, in my personal mm-hmm. opinion, right? So the the company was just not handling finances correctly. The company was hemorrhaging money, and they needed money. So what ended up happening was they would 
allow one region to sell the pens for a lot cheaper than another region. They were screwing over their retailers by offering massive discounts after the retailers already bought the pens and they bought the pens from more than the Delta brand is now selling them for. Some Something to that effect to the point where people's retailers just stopped buying them. They liquidated their stock and all the stuff that was out by Delta was just being liquidated. They went under. And on top of that, there was money owed to a lot of people from the brand and those debts were never paid, I think, possibly. This is all well, usually like when it's like a bankruptcy thing, they, they you could get whatever you can out of bankruptcy. But it surprised me that there's actually anything left uh, because it does say as per the uh, press release, it says that uh, the rights of use have been officially transferred by the new property to Mayora Pen Company that are both tangible and intangible. So they received all of Delta's goods, all of Delta's materials, warehouse, all of Delta's equipment, machinery, and Delta's furnishings. So like, but like if, if it was a bankruptcy, usually they would do an auction where uh, they try to get as much liquidated wealth right. out of the company so that they could then pay the creditors that are looking to get paid right. something. They don't usually get, you usually get paid pennies on a dollar. So if let's say Delta owed you like, like a hundred thousand dollars, you may end up seeing like, maybe like 10 grand or seven grand out of that hundred thousand dollars from the bankruptcy auction from right. the proceeds by the time that everything's said and done. That's like, it's, it's like a fraction, but like saying that they actually have acquired the rights and then everything else that came with it. I, I don't know. I guess maybe they, they might be doing it differently there in Italy, but, um, well, but I'm, yeah, just, I'm just saying like how valuable is that name to Nino Marino and how far I guess it I guess it must be, or it also must be a a pride sort of thing, which, uh, you know, I I see that there's because like Mayora, okay, like it's it, it basically looks like a Delta and it has the same pedigree as a Delta, but it's still not a Delta, right? But there's a lot, so there's a lot of value. I mean, look at look at what uh you know Rob Rosenberg did with Estabrook. All he had to do was just start using the Estabrook name again, or like with Sensa or with Conklin. They just picked up an old brand name, and that brand name still had value. Right, but and it's and even the if you put something else out, the difference you know, it's, it's, is that when Delta went under, they burned a lot of bridges. Right. Versus Conklin, and it's still and fresh too. It's right. Not so like there are years removed. Right. So there are people out there that could still be sore about it. Right. So right. there are. I'm pretty sure there's going to be people that maybe didn't want to have anything to do with with the previous owners of Delta. But you know what? Time passed. Some wounds were forgiven. And they're going to be like, all right, so we'll start dealing with you again. But then he comes back with Delta. It's almost like PTSD for some of these people. You know what I'm saying? So it might not. Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of people who were burnt by this and have a bad taste in their mouth over the Delta fallout could also be looking at this and saying, Oh well, I mean, well, I mean, I think just, about I it. Delta. Because... Delta owes me fifty grand. So now that you're Delta, yeah. you want to do business, and now that you're officially Delta, where's that fifty grand, big guy? That's <laughs> you know, listen. If somebody owed me money, if somebody, you know, if your company, I don't know, the Odd Oink Pen Sausage Company <laughs> owed me fifty grand, went under, and then you're back, right? Right. I might be like, yo, dude, you know. You were the owner of the Odd Oink 
Pen Sausage Company. It went under, yeah. so you couldn't pay me. But now you, the same owner, is back with the Odd Oink Pen Sausage Company. Mm, where's my money? It's going to be yeah. a scene from that Family Guy episode. Well, I think that's also how some companies do this in America too. Like there's some there's some companies that will file for file for Chapter Eleven and then decide like later on it's like oh well then they respawn as something else because all it takes is just filing paperwork and just saying oh, okay well now this is a new llc or a new company or whatever they dodge all of their debts you know they they close everything but then they start up something else that basically does the same thing that they used to be doing but right. they just start off with a clean slate right like it so just it happens like clean that. slate on paper but people aren't stupid they will remember you know what i'm saying yeah. so that's what i'm saying I'm, I applaud Nino Marino for getting back the name Delta because I know that he cared about it. But how smart of an idea was that business-wise? I guess we have to talk to him about it. We'll somehow. have to see in 20 because they're going uh, uh, to begin production in 2022 and start shipping by the middle of next year. So. Yes, but ship to who? People yeah. who have a soiled <laughs> taste in their mouth? I mean, listen. Oh, you'll probably see plenty of them at the Goulet Pen Company, I would imagine. Well, it depends on who's yeah, distributed. distributed by Yaffa. Well, yeah. probably, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, but so. that could start the flood, that could open the floodgates for them, and maybe that'll repair a lot of, but you never know. Maybe, maybe that's a brand that Goulet won't bring in because of the history. No, I, I, because basically this is, I mean, Mayora was basically like, a new version of Delta anyway, similarly to how like right, but it was, was like a new version of Omas. Sure, but it was not it very... Delta. See, yeah. that's my point. At least it wasn't Delta. Scribo was a new Omas, but Omas went under. I don't know the story behind that. I can't remember. I did, but I'm pretty sure they didn't burn as many bridges. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, well, I don't know. I mean, they could have, but I mean, at the same time, too, that, that I think that they're making roads as that's why i said like that they i would throw them in the hat as like a consideration for pet for brand of the year because they continue to grow and grow a following and um are trying to uh you know really start to recapture i think what was lost with omas being you know dissolved completely i see which so. by the way also too is like i i ended up selling my omas ogiva oh nice the the, the extra fleshy bulay nib um because of the fact because this is, is the reason why is because of Scribo, because I know that I would at some point or another like a feel or some other pen that maybe would be postable. And and I know that the writing experience is on par with that, that, uh, that Ogiva that I have. That's I, back from 2015. That's, that's fair enough. And so. then you talked about Leonardo. So, but you, you have like 12 different brands that you brought up. I, we were talking <laughs> about like, I get it. Like these are your possibilities, but. So let's eliminate some. So Narwhal, yes, I agree with it because of how new it is, what it brings to the table, in-house nib, in-house everything's made. Design is something new with the Nautilus and the submarine shape. I like it. All right, so that's that's on the table. The And <laughs> the primary macchiato, I, li <laughs> I like it. I do. I like that. So yeah, I'm trying to distract him. <laughs> right, but he's trying to he's trying to do phallic things that I would normally do, but it's not distracting me. But the primary macchiato, I, I like it. I just wish that it didn't have that normal ink window. That falls back to the regular 
you know so that makes me realize yeah the reason why they had to use ebonite and the other ones with the submarine windows is because it was the only way to make the ink windows in the acrylic they couldn't do to, it to so. do the portholes yeah, right. you can't do it with the acrylic yeah, yeah. so that one kind of I love the material, but what makes the Narwhal Nautilus unique to me is the design of the ink windows. It's not something you've seen before. That right there, the macchiato, what makes that unique is the acrylic, and anyone else can do that. And yeah, I feel like it looks like the old version of the Narwhals, and I'm not a big fan of those old versions. So I would say Narwhal for its Nautilus, but not the one, not the primary not macchiato, primary macchiato not, that I'm holding not in particular then you went well, on to I'll, I'll have you know that i had a big part in bringing this out to like to to make this manifest because because of my of my connection and 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 love of coffee i so, knew that the moment i read the name macchiato i knew tom had everything macchiato. to do with everything had he had everything to do with it and i thought the name was very clever when i saw the email from gold spot mm-hmm. pens i thought it was great then you brought up retro 51 for not going under so you know great like <laughs> like i good like i good said job it's, it's for not, showing up to work it's like yeah it's it but like it's a lot harder than it looks you know what i'm saying it's just like oh you just kept the lights on good for you but right. no it's it's a lot harder than it looks like no i mean listen i get that i'm not saying they don't deserve credit for staying in business but staying in business is something that every brand has to contend with right so 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 they don't get well you went from like george uh, george cartsadis had been running the company for 30 years right yeah he had started it and ran that company for 30 years and all of a sudden he's like i'm peace out i'm gone like maybe i can consult with you maybe i won't answer your phone calls i don't know like i don't know how much involvement that he has currently because we end up hearing mostly from the new owners Mm. so uh jeff and adam i'm just saying but way what you got you got a very popular rollerball company that whenever they come out with a limited edition it sells off the shelves virtually overnight pretty much for every design so the next people coming in it's it's kind of a no-brainer like if they came to me and you and said, "Hey, it, it wasn't really though, because they because they wanted to capitalize off of it right away with like the hair, like the first like three designs that they introduced. They li- they had the limited edition be nineteen hundred fifty one pieces, which were just way way too much, especially for the designs that they made. Like because the designs were really not like that great. Like mm-hmm. I mean, just saying from a a standpoint of like knowing the market and knowing what people's tastes are and being an they, artist, they, they weren't they weren't sellouts. It's when they hit the they hit their stride when they did the uh, the Sleepy Hollow one uh, from October. First of all, it was like super topical, being that it's like you know month of Halloween and everything. And then the design on it was kick ass, and it glowed in the dark. It glowed in the dark orange, which was amazing. And then on top of that, they made the edition. 1031 instead of 1951 so mm-hmm. you're talking half the unusual amount that they would usually produce which would then create that additional bit of scarcity and on top of that it was like it was like topical to the fact that that's october 31st is 1031 mm-hmm. so it's just like it's so had so much going on with it that i felt like uh, like that's yeah they, they they went back to form they went back to true form with that one but I, i'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to be doing in the the coming months i think they're going to start doing more fountain pens again i think they deserve kudos for sure for catching up and getting back to form as quickly as possible i just don't think it deserves pen of the year a brand of the year i I don't think that anybody realizes that when retro had ended on december 31st with that tuesday pen 
when they when they when they they were just releasing all they were doing was releasing poppers at the very end of that year and they did nothing to replenish any stock of their regular line items like any of their smithsonian pens the the vintage metal smiths any of their best sellers that just normally sell out of their catalog like the classic lacquers fountain pens everything else was just being sold down to nothing and all they were selling was poppers throughout that last half of the year mm. then when january 1st came and they, they they switched over they transitioned during the month of january the new owners started with no stock whatsoever right and, and they had to start and just say okay we're gonna have to build x amount of pens blah 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 so they had to start not only did they have to by the company from George, they had to replenish all of the inventory that was sold down during that whole entire year. Yeah, but they were lucky because they had retailers like Goldspot coming out with things like the Pizza yeah. Pen and the Zen Pen. So they weren't they weren't just left with nothing when it came to ideas because people but they who... had yeah they had the they had the capital of like the intel the intelligence the 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 creative capital that was like all of the retailers that wanted to collaborate uh, the artists that wanted to work with them. Right. They, they had all of that. And that's, and that's the reason why it, it still works is because everybody believes in this and they still have awesome people that work for them. Like Jennifer Summers and uh, Richard and like Lupe, they have all of the, the great people that kept that heart of that company going and and the people at the factory and everything like they got them those people kept you know stayed on uh jennifer came from her doorknob company that she was working for remember we were talking about was she i remember had, that episode. Uh, had left retro uh-huh. she had left retro for selling doorknobs from and then selling she came doorknobs back to right. retro right yeah so she came back when she when when uh when there was news that the the company was was not going to go under that uh that and and that there was a place for her there so it's like so it's like yeah i, I would much rather be dealing with pens and doorknobs so right. well i mean listen i i love retro 51 and i commend them for doing what they've done in the last year and stuff like that i'm just i feel like they kind of had a lot of help and i think brand of the year maybe not so much great brand okay. love the brand i'm just i just i really would reserve it for I mean, maybe I'm being really picky. I don't know. Maybe because they're not. A well, I mean, we have company. to limit. So you, so you're saying like, you know, we have to start knocking some off to say, like, right, narrow it down to one. Right, and you know, you would think to serve my own needs, I would say, yeah, retro is the best brand of the year because they made the Mozart pen, right? But the truth is, maybe I'm being biased. And I'm going to be honest here. Maybe I'm being biased because they're mostly selling rollerballs and not fountain pens. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm influenced by that and I'm almost like not wanting to include them for that reason. I don't know. Okay. But, you know, going back to Narwhal, why I can get on board with the Narwhal thing was because not just because of the Nautilus, but because of the involvement that they're willing to willing to reach out to people with with the – Peter Draws pen, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's so important to me is because Peter Draws has almost a million subscribers on YouTube. And he exposes so many people to fountain pens that aren't necessarily fountain pen people. Exactly. Right? Yep. So Narwhal getting involved with that and having the wherewithal to be involved with that, I think is very commendable. And They've done so much since 2019. I'm going to sneeze. Hold on. 
<coughs> Bless you, uh, COVID. Yeah, COVID. So, you know, I think Narwhal. Twisby is kind of just Twisby to me is is like Aurora. They don't really do much new stuff. It's just they just run with what they have. Twisby is the Grand Theft Auto Five of fountain pens, right? Because <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Five has been out for like ten years, and it just keeps on going. You know, it's just selling and selling. It won't stop selling. People love that game. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But there's like nothing incredibly new about it that's like shaking the ground. Right, and the same thing for me. I'll tell you. For Leonardo. Right. Because Leonardo's been around, if you told me in 2018 or 19, then I would say yes, for sure, Pen brand of the year. But they've been around. We're giving, we've also gave them a lot of passes because we love their pens so much. Like having leaky piston mechanisms is unacceptable. Yes, they made it right, but that's, that's a problem, right? You, and then in the beginning, when you started getting Leonardo, there was always problems with the nibs, right? And... Yes, he would make it right and fix it and stuff, but then people had to wait for stuff and they had to get things fixed and stuff. It wasn't, it's not an experience that I think that people should have to deal with. It's forgivable, but the cost of forgiveness is you don't get to be the brand of the year, right? So, well, I mean, there's also growing pains with Narwhal, too. I mean, you saw that with like, especially the first iterations of the original, and that's why they weren't straighter. That's definitely why they weren't even close to brand being of the year, brand of the like year the first year that they were introduced yeah 100%. I, think, I think they've made such like huge strides in this in this last year that's sure. why i would consider it yeah I, yeah I agree with you on that one i definitely i definitely yeah. would let me ask you something do you think if there's an award for reverse brand of the year who would it be like the not the like the worst brand of the year i guess so yeah okay <laughs> we're gonna go there why, why not like we're probably going to piss off a lot of people and be called racist oh, bigot- bigots again. Um, you know, like uh, I'm just I'm just looking now. I'm like, uh, like oh god, I I don't want to get so many people upset with me. But who's 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 least likely to get me fired? Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> just typing. Um, well, like I, I mean, all like, right. Well, first let's, let's I'll let settle. you off the Let's hook. just settle. Well, let's just settle the the brand. I think I think we're both in agreement that we could we could say like we could come to the agreement. I think Narwhal. We could say Narwhal. We would both agree on would be like the brand of the year. Right? I think it has the most. I think they are the most. I think unique. And yeah, it has the most qualifications for that. And then we looked at the rest of the list and we're like, okay, well, you know, Narwhal has done it this way too, or like or like this is not new enough, or this has got problems, or so so I th- I think that we both can agree on that. So we could close the chapter on on brand of the year. So reverse brand of the year, who we think that did let's say the worst in in year twenty twenty one. One brand that comes to mind, and it's not because of the products themselves. Uh, it's not because of the designs. It's not because of the uh, the the themes behind the releases, but it's mostly because of the dang prices. Is well, uh, there's two brands that I think would 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 qualify under that. Uh, but the first one is Sailor. And I love Sailor, and I think they did some great things this year. They did the Sound of Rain pens, which were fa- uh, fantastic pens. Uh, they did some other North American exclusives, but the one thing that I think really has made the brand struggle this year was the fact that any new pen that was introduced in 2021 came with this really high 
like upcharge. Like there were like it was the price increase was all with the new pens. Mm-hmm. They 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 could have let's say said okay well we need to make a price increase let's increase everything in a smaller degree across the board including our mainline items and then all of the new items will also agree with this price Mm -hmm. but what they did was anything new that was introduced in 2021 came with this very very high significant increase in price right like let's say for a a 1911 large or pro gear regular you're paying 90 dollars more than you were last year for the same for the same model for for a 21k nib what's so what's that, causing this it's well like it first of all that they they were bought majority share of the company was bought by plus which is a big japanese uh stationary brand um so that could also come with its own you know direction from the from corporate saying like okay well we need to make this brand more profitable let's increase prices so but I did, mean, that, also too, did that increase prices unilaterally across the world or just in the united states I believe it is unilaterally, unilaterally. You're making me use a big word that I'm not used to even using. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I have not done. I mean, I know it's always going to be less expensive in Japan uh, in the native market than it will be outside of the domestic market. Um, but I have not checked to see if like they had gone up in price commensurately with the prices in the U.S. For I'm curious stuff. to know how much of a price difference there is overseas versus the U.S. and if we're dealing with another Pelican situation, because right. my brand reverse brand of the year would be Pelican. Well, that was the other one. I remember, I was saying like there was two of them that I think would would be reverse brand of the year because right. of the fact that of pricing. That was the other, and also too is production, because they because they had they had issues with their factory that would you know, stemming from the pandemic and everything, and they've just been like so like delayed with any releases, and there's hardly been anything that's been released this year. I mean, we're still waiting for Golden Barrel the pen uh, to complement the Golden Barrel ink that has been in the market for since earlier this year, and the pen and it's all it's it's middle of no it's. Well, it's basically early December right now. That's this podcast you're listening to. It's the second right. week of December, right? Right. So it's like, where is this pen? Is it going to come in 2021, or are we going to miss the holiday season entirely? Well, you know how it is with Pelican. They service everybody, but and then save the scraps for the U.S. at the end. That really, I'm just, I'm being, I'm being bitter about it. But because of the pricing disparity, we even got an email from a listener who said, you know, back in March, you inter- interviewed Gary Lang, and there's no results. Yeah. So Gary Lang agreed to be on the podcast after the new year. So let's see what he's got done. Let's see what he's done. Because really, coming out of Pelican, unless it's a special edition, which was that green stripe, white green stripe, there really was nothing yeah. from Pelican. There's, there was hardly, there was, I mean, and there's like maybe one Machia pen. That's maybe, that yeah. And then the problem is all the standard pens, no retailer is going to be buying those or stocking those anymore. Because they're buying them at cost, and their keystone cost is the price that any con- consumer can buy it from Apple Boom or Iguanacell. It doesn't make any sense for them to invest all that money and sit on it. And they got to fix this at Chartpack. And if they don't, then they get this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we're jokingly calling it reverse brand of the year, but <laughs> that's how every retailer is going to look at it. And they're just not going to stock standard edition pelican pens right 
Mm-hmm. But those are, yeah, those are, hey, you know, I was going to ask you something. Esterbrook, they're coming out with new colors like every 20 minutes. Do you think that's a good thing or do you think that's a bad thing? And and why? For me, I honestly think it's a little bit too frequent to the point where a person would buy a color and three weeks, a month later, there's a new color. After a while, I would be like, well, what if the color after – because I'm they, there are people who can't buy these pens every month, right? Right. Or every single time a color comes out every 20 minutes. I kind of would be like, well, I'm not going to buy the next this color because the next one might be the one that I really want. Because, you know, they came out with the Nova Blue, which I love. But then they came out <laughs> yeah. with the Scarlet, which I also love. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, Scarlet's really nice. And then, but then, like, what's coming after the Scarlet? Maybe I should save my money for the next one. And then after a while, they come out with so many colors. After a while, the, the frequency is so high, it just stops meaning anything to people. You know what I right. mean? What do yeah. you think? Well, that's why I kind of feel like people had fatigue over Retro Fifty One for that hype cycle last year. Uh-huh. There were so many, there were so many exclusives and limiteds, and uh, like every week there was like an. Which I mean, to a degree, it's like this way this year too because it just really hasn't stopped. I think just today there was a Levenger uh, exclusive that was introduced, and by today I mean November 29th, not December seventh. Um, I know this is confusing people, probably right. so. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the uh, it 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 matters. I mean, it's it's to a degree of like whether the market, uh, the the current interest level in the market can bear it. Yeah. So if if there's going to be enough demand for an Estabrook pen, and I think that there are to a degree, because every time that there's been a new Estabrook launch, it it's done pretty decently mm-hmm. like it, it, it really i can't say that even surprisingly the sunflower which is a yellow pen sold really well it's like, also a, like the, a dirty yellow it's not like a vibrant it's dirty yeah yellow. it's like it's like algae yellow but i'm <laughs> my thing is kind of like with retro they come out with so many retailer exclusives and stuff like that i feel like after a point it's just like i don't care anymore and i feel like the same thing it could happen to Estabrook if they just keep coming out with colors every three weeks. You know what I mean? Like, I know they're not well, think, really coming out every three weeks, but the, how long ago was the Nova Blue? That was Nouveau Blue was uh, was on Fountain Pen Day. Fountain Pen. So, so then you had Nouveau Blue, no, and then you had no Nova Blue. Yes. Nova Blue was Fountain Pen Day, which was the beginning of November. Yes. It's not. So it's right. not November. It's now November 29th. They already have the Scarlet. And then the sunflower too. Yeah, so that's like three. I get my timeline mixed up. It doesn't matter. The point is that's three colors within almost and like within two months. Right. So it's it's just after this, if there's a fear of missing out, and then there's too much catching up to do, people will just be like, you know what, fuck it. I don't want any part. Well, I think also that that has some to do, and I'm sure that maybe Ryan might chime in on this too i think that also has to do with the supply issues um coming from overseas too because they were supposed to have those british tan nooks i think weeks ago and it's just sitting on a container somewhere you know, oh. in, in uh bayonne you know so it was like it, it it i i think that has to do something with it and they were just they were probably bummed that they couldn't release you know uh, even like i think the paradise um jr paradise could have been a nice pen like for earlier in the summer but they had to introduce it at the DC Pen Show in August because they couldn't get them. Quick that enough. sucks so bad. I wish we so, had Ryan. We should get Ryan back on the show because he 
he has so much logistical knowledge and offers so much clarity of information when it comes to this yeah. kind of thing. You know, because like he explains things in a way that's very understandable for someone who's not knee deep in the business the way he is. You know, right. and he's patient about it too. On and on formats like this, behind closed doors, he's an asshole. But <laughs> when it comes to like this kind of setting, he's very patient, very explains it really well and stuff like that. You know, and I, we should have him on just so that, you know, because I'm this is my perspective and my perspective is everybody else's perspective. You know what I'm saying? It would be good for them to share their perspective. And yeah. Because, I mean, think about it. My perspective is more of everybody else's perspective than even yours, Tom. Because you have mm-hmm. you have inside knowledge that I don't have. And you I'm sure that Ryan will say his favorite brand of the year would have been Estabrook. Right, all the right. I love awesome Estabrook. Awesome things that they've done this year. I, I certainly do love Estabrook, but not brand of the year. Not brand of the not in my, not Not in my opinion. They are certainly. I think they could potentially be in the future, especially if they drop something that is is like really groundbreaking. And I know that they're of the minds there at at Kenro that they could come up with something that will truly be like it's like a double very very awesome. It's a double edged sword because between Ryan and Carrie and Brian, who come up with all the ideas and designs and stuff like that, they are so potent with the ideas that they've set such a high standard. That in order to impress now, you got to set even a higher standard, right? Yeah, well, but I mean, but that's the challenge. That's what yeah. makes this exciting is that let's Whereas, let's try to see if we could take this in a in a in a deeper direction where we could really push the boundaries of either design or nib accessibility or like filling mechanisms or, or you know do something that is not just a novelty, but that's actually going to make people excited to write or or make it easier for them to write. Yeah, I think I think at this point, just new colors of the Estabrook SD isn't going to cut it for it's me. It's not going to cut it. Yeah. yeah, and the Camden didn't really cut it for me either. Oh, actually, take that back. The Camden composition I felt like was very refreshing. That was cool. Yeah, it was yeah. very cool. The first iteration of them, the brushed aluminum ones, kind of, eh, you know. Yeah. Eh. But the composition, where did those go? You know, where are they? Those are cool. And the JRs were variations on the J-Pen. I get it. I don't really feel like they were very groundbreaking with the JRs because they're just – like if you're being critical, it's a very expensive small acrylic pocket pen right? that doesn't have pretty much anything – or the qualities that made the J Pen so popular, right? Mm-hmm. So, I feel like the JR didn't really groundbreak it, but they're beautiful pens. And I, for a pocket pen to have to turn the cap three times, yeah, it's like it's rotations like, to get it off. It's, it's like a combination it's kind of lock. The purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you so, need to have like quick access, right? So I think I think I love the Esterbrook brand. I think we need to come up with something a little bit more groundbreaking you know what i mean Ooh, what if they change the cap closure mechanism on the jr instead of having it be threaded screws have it be like a like a like the the visconti hook safe lock and, in, and also incorporate the 
the cushion cap closure that you would see with the Estabrook SD, incorporate that with the hook safe lock so that all you'd have to do is like a, a quarter turn and you'd pop open the nib on the JR. I'm pretty sure they would hate that idea because it's like that I'm sure they don't even want to even come close to looking Engineer like that shit. Yeah, just <laughs> at, they don't even want to come close to looking like they're copying a brand like Visconti because Listen, they Brian, are. Listen, Brian, if you want to send me royalty checks for this idea, you could uh, no. email it See, to but the thing is though, podcast at gmail.com. I'm telling you right now, I know Ryan too much. He's too proud to take something that resemble. He doesn't even want to be accused of copying Visconti mm-hmm. that they would never touch that idea. But I'll tell you what though. They need to get rid of that stupid spring inside the SD and replace it with that silicone bladder that was inside the Camden because the spring gets caught all the time. The Camden won't get caught all the time and it's more consistent in terms of tolerance. But yeah. anyway, so I want to know what everybody else is thinking in terms of brand of the year, pen of the year, and reverse brand of the year. I want to know what <laughs> you guys have. And also, what, what product of the year do you have or what is it that you – bought even if it's not pen related i want to know what your whatever of the year is right so youtube of the year non-pen related for me would be kg tropicals youtube channel <laughs> for the fish yeah i've been watching <laughs> kg tropicals dude there is so much don't don't put your face in your hands in disappointment oh my God. shaking your head in judgment at me you know there's so much about the fish keeping industry that's very similar with the fountain pen industry, right? You want to know how? I'll tell you. <laughs> no, how. I don't want to know how. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because listen, it's an old school hobby that, like the KG Tropicals and Aquarium Co-op, and these guys are like the the Goulets, the Gold Spot pens of fish keeping the fish keeping world, right? And mm-hmm. just like just like Gold Spot pens and Goulet pens and Pen Chalet doesn't want customers to buy from amazon these guys are dealing with the same thing in the fish keeping world buy from kg tropicals uh, keepfishkeeping.com buy from aquarium co-op or you know all these other these these people who produce content to educate the hobbyists and then also have retails so i'll i'll buy from them from now on you know what i mean yeah so whereas like if i didn't know this and i was just doing everything. I would just buy it on Amazon, but now I'm going to, you know, I just, I'm going to turn the corner and I'm going to buy from keepfishkeeping.com and all these other guys who are, you know, putting out content that I'm learning from. They deserve my dollar, even if it's a couple more dollars. So yeah, yeah, I just ordered a, a plush doll, beta fish, a super nano (laughs) sponge filter just to have an extra. And a beta mirror for my Dr. Evil back there. So, and I got it from KG Tropicals, keepfishkeeping.com. So, yeah. And then my product of the year is going to be my Game & Watch Legend of Zelda <laughs> toy. That's your that's your flavor of the week right now. Look how right cute now. this thing is. It's so small. It's green. It's got the silver mm-hmm. face, the rubber buttons, and you turn it on and, and it's a little clock. Do you hear that beeping? That is that is cute. Yeah, and it, you can play Legend of Zelda on it in 8-bit. It also has Legend of Zelda 2, Link's Adventure, and it also has, what's the name of that game? The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, the original Game Boy one. So I think that's okay. cool. I don't know. 
it's 50 bucks. Totally not worth it, but it's a collectible, so I'm glad I have it. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's overcharged. You could probably download those games for free somewhere. Yeah, you could. Right. Emulators. And right, like right. That, yeah. But I like it, so. Yeah. But this cool. is the first episode that you and I are recording after Thanksgiving. Right. So I know it's late for everybody, but I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving, Tom. Did you did you eat a lot? You don't look. Why do you look younger every time I see you? What the fuck's going on over there? What are you doing? It's uh, it's the filters. Mm. It's the uh, the filters I got on my camera. Okay, because so. I'm pretty sure I'm getting older and you're looking younger, right? No, no, it's not it. Yeah. Not at all. I'm getting older. Yeah, I got, but I got the. I do want to thank all our listeners. This is uh, this is right now. It's November 29th. So in six days, I'm gonna have surgery. Hopefully I make it, and we're I'm here to record the next episode. But with <laughs> completely a, high, <laughs> right? But in any event, thank you guys for listening. I love you guys. Be well. Be safe. Stay evening.